It seems out in the middle of nowhere the creepiest things reside. Welcome back to the swamp my friends, it's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true middle of nowhere horror stories. As always if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Joining me today is my good friend Bad Vibe Storytelling. If you enjoy his voice, be sure to check out his channel. You can find the link down in the description down below. With that out of the way, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true middle of nowhere horror stories. I have a few stories that kind of align with each other. Eleven years ago, I had to move in with my girlfriend. I moved into a basement apartment with her. I started to have these weird dreams over and over again for roughly three months or so. It was the same dream. There was a man that paid way too much time with his truck, and his wife got very jealous over it, so she killed him and buried him with the truck in the middle of a field. All that in a repeat nightmare that has made me start sleepwalking. I brought it up to my girlfriend, and she told me how when her and her stepdad were digging for a septic tank, he found a truck buried in the front yard with a skeleton in it. Keep in mind, the house was in the middle of nowhere, sitting on probably about 150 acres of hills, trees, and fields. A little while later, I married her, and her stepdad had turned the barn into a garage, and I was working on welding up a horseshoe craft. Before I continue, I have to give you the layout. This garage is pretty big, big enough to put four big rigs in it and work around them, plus two narrows, but long bays beside the big bay. There is one big red rig in there that has been out of commission for some time now because the air compressor went out on it. While I was working in there on my horseshoe crafts, I heard three knocks and some rustling by the rig, so I thought it was an animal or something, so I went to check it out and look in the rig but I didn't really see anything. I walked around and still saw nothing, until I saw something written in the dust in the truck. It was one word. Run. So, I was on edge and a little freaked out, but I ended up going back to work. Half an hour went by, and I heard what sounded like a growl. Then, the air horn went off and scared the absolute crap out of me. So I packed up and left. I grabbed some holy water, and went back in there and started saying, Be gone, demon, in Jesus' name. Then a black mass shot out of the door and went into an abandoned mine on the property. Since then, my father-in-law became bipolar. He was never that way. He was always a very sweet and very nice guy. And now he's just all over the place. I never had another experience like this. It still scares me to be in there. This is all true, and I swear that I would never make this up. The last thing that my father-in-law showed me was this picture of the truck, and it was the truck in my dreams. It's really weird. I know it might be a little bit all over the place and maybe not the scariest story you've ever shared, but thank you for sharing it if you choose to. I've always been an avid believer of the paranormal, and my recent experiences with the paranormal have piqued my interest even more. 
Both my friend and I have spotted shadow people multiple times. They're about six feet in height and don't seem aggressive, just curious. We are pretty sure that this entity resides in the storage room on the bottom level of our house. This storage room is connected to the bathroom. Before I start, I would like to explain that I live on the bottom level of a three-story home. All encounters have been at this bottom level, besides the one which was in the middle level. Here are all of the encounters. The first encounter I had was when I was sitting in the living room in the middle level of the house. I had seen a perfectly shaped shadow hand reach out from the door that leads to the downstairs. It shook his hand while I looked at it and it slowly disappeared. These two experiences were very similar, so I'll group them into one. In the downstairs living room, I had seen a shadow pass from one side of the room to the other until it reached the door to my bedroom. The second experience was the same, except it was from the door to the storage room to the door that leads out to the living room. It was later at night, but I was nowhere near tired. I was laying in my bed on my phone when I looked near the foot of the bed. I saw the same simple figure just standing at the foot of my bed. It eventually drifted away to the door and disappeared. I've recently gotten a pet cat and for some reason this cat has an obsession with going into the storage room. I'm not sure if this counts as an experience, but from what I understand animals have closer relationships with spirits. I have some friends over regularly and we're always playing games around a table. We have two computer chairs that we need to bring in from another room. So they were out in the living room and I was too lazy to put them back since everyone had left late. I was getting ready for bed. I sometimes sleep in the living room because one of my couches is a futon and my cat was downstairs with me. I laid down. A few minutes later, one of the computer chairs had started violently shaking back and forth. My cat was on the ground but nowhere near the chair. My cat ran up and down the stairs almost four times and refused to go back into the living room for the rest of the night. One of my friends experienced something similar to number two and while we were both alone at my house, she had her knocking at the door that goes to the storage room while she was in the bathroom. The most recent experience has been the scariest. Tonight, while playing cards, my friend was sitting on the couch facing the bedroom door. She had seen a person cross the door from one side to the other, but instead of a shadow person, it was a full figure, the same height as the shadow figure. Out of fear, the only thing my friend could remember is that the figure had blonde hair. I'm not sure if this is being dangerous, but throughout all these experiences, I have never felt scared or in danger from this entity. When I was 17 years old, in 2005, I lived in a quiet village where nothing ever happened. At least, that's what we thought. I had just gotten my license and I was excited to meet up with my older boyfriend. It was the first time that I was able to drive my car alone since I was just getting my license, so the occasion was a celebration of sorts. I live in Wisconsin, so the distance between nowhere land and any sort of city is pretty long probably more than 40 miles at the very least. The highway to the major cities is a hop, skip, and a jump. Shortly after leaving the village, I noticed a white car on the side of the road. 
which would not be uncommon for the area, except for it being summer. During winter here, it is always a common courtesy to stop and see if anybody needs help, but since it was not danger season, I normally will not think twice about it. However, there was what looked to be an eight-year-old boy walking away from the car. We were at least a mile from civilization, 14 miles to the nearest city, and clearly in the middle of nowhere. I stopped to see what I could do to help. I had expected and assumed that he was with a grandparent that could not walk that sort of distance back to town for help. This was a time when having a cell phone was not all that common yet. It was about 2005 at the time. I pulled over next to the boy and asked him what was going on. He told me he was on his way to the only car repair shop in town, which was at least three miles away from where we were. I said that was an exceptionally long way to walk and I offered him a ride. He was hesitant and I told him I'm a student of the high school about a mile away. I would let him hold my cell phone and my ID until we got there if he felt afraid. He could easily dial 911 without me being able to stop him and we were only a three minute drive from where he was going. I said we should talk to the other person in the car first and the boy seemed to panic. First red flag. No, it's fine. Just go. I was like, okay. I was just a kid myself and my local address was clearly on my ID. He looked at my ID for a moment and got in my car. He seemed at ease with holding my phone and ID. This was a time before you could dial 911 without a passcode. I gave him my passcode and he seemed at ease when he could get into my phone. I told him not to check my boyfriend's messages because he was too young. With the times and neighborhood we were around, that was reasonable to me. I did not suspect anything. Then the car that was pulled over that could not move suddenly screeched out of his spot and raced after me with the blinker on insisting that I pull over. I looked over at the kid in my passenger seat with my eyebrow raised. The car pulled over behind me, got out and slammed his car door behind him in a rage. He strutted up to my window. This was odd to me since they were supposed to be broken down. The kid looked extremely afraid. When he walked up, I rolled my window down enough so I could hear him and he told me he was a social worker and the child I had just picked up was a danger to himself and others, and I was in a dangerous situation with him sitting next to me while driving. He could have killed me. I was afraid because I could not have expected a broken down car to chase me, and I was having a hard time believing what he was saying. I turned to the boy next to me, after I rolled up the window in the guy's face. I said, Do you know this man? Is what he is saying true? I'm sorry, I'm really scared. The fear in my eyes, I, I think the kid misunderstood. I wasn't afraid of him, I was afraid of the man outside my window. The man said no. I think he was trying to protect me too. The situation was not sitting right with me, and something just seemed really off and how aggressive the man outside my window was, was not really making me feel any better. The kid said no, he would be okay, and got out of my car and went with him. The look of dread on his face haunts my dreams to this day. It still did not set well with me when he got into the man's car and they drove away towards the city. I called my date and told him I would be extremely late and went to the school as fast as my car could take me with a license plate in mind. I talked to the liaison officer at my school after I ran into the building screaming his name like a banshee. I told him about the kid and he said before I even got in there someone had dialed 911 about my stopping to pick up the kid and they were apprehended just as I got to the school, which scared my liaison officer. I was the school's biggest goody two-shoes despite me being the only goth. I gave my statement right there. I was told to never, ever stop for a child again, 
lest I were to ever be suspected of abduction, and he said I was still in the wrong. I should have not gotten involved with that man. What if he had a gun? But the man in the car went to jail, and the boy was brought back home safely. He could not give me any details on the case, but since the man was apprehended and questioned, and the boy was brought home, that is all I ever really needed to know. I am not sure what crime I stopped that day, but that day, I know I saved that boy from certain unknown abuse. I'm glad I stopped. The story I'm about to share with you is the main reason I will never enter a cave or explore one for the rest of my life, and why I will never ever leave the house without telling someone where I'm going first. 11 years ago, I was still in college with my boyfriend. We were both invited to go explore a cave with a couple we've never met before. They both seemed nice enough, but their jeep was a little ghetto. Keep in mind that my boyfriend and I didn't tell anyone where we were going, and there was no cell phone service out in the middle of nowhere, and especially not in a cave. They drove us four hours away from my college town into the middle of nowhere, in a place in Kentucky that I had never gone to before. Still, to this day, I have no idea where that cave was located. Even though I've tried several times to locate it on the internet and asked all of my friends, I just can't seem to find it. Anyway, we parked the car in a forest with no houses in sight, and they led us to a cliff with a tiny hole in the side of it, just big enough for me to slide into on my stomach. Before we entered, the couple put black latex gloves on which struck me as odd. They led the way, and we slid through the tiny tunnel on our stomachs for what felt like 20 minutes, which made me quite claustrophobic I might add. Eventually, we got to a little room the size of a large closet, just tall enough to sit in. I don't know why, but the guy lit a fire, which quickly filled the chamber with smoke, which was a little creepy, and I saw that he had a rope and a knife in his backpack. We continued sliding on our stomachs for 10 or more minutes down the cave until we finally entered a huge cavern with ceilings covered in stalactites, two stories high. The cave went on forever and ever. It seemingly was endless. We walked and walked and, you know, walked in complete darkness with only two flashlights. To my horror, I realized that the guy was holding a rock and kept looking back at me and the girl was carrying a knife. At one point, the couple had made my boyfriend and I lead the way, and we almost thought we were about to be pushed into a deep hole. When I threw a rock into it, it felt like it fell forever. I heard it hit the bottom far, far below. I looked back to see the two strangers whispering to each other. The girl said, Should we do it now? They look up and see that I'm watching them, and I see the man look to the girl and shake his head. Were they planning something bad? So we head down another path. By this time, we've been lost for hours, but we finally find spray paint arrows pointing the way to a place that says, Exit. But after a while, we realize that these arrows were probably made by some pranksters who put the arrows everywhere just to make people lost. Finally, I'm the first one to see Twilight at the end of a large tunnel, and we make it outside into the real world. I'll never go anywhere with strangers. I'll never go back into a cave, and I'll never go anywhere without telling someone where I'm going. Sometime during my high school years, the exact year and time escaped me at this point, 
I found myself in a nearby town on a date attempting to impress a girl whom I had only just recently met but had been secretly crushing on for quite some time from afar. Her name was Anna. Anna and I had just had a really nice evening and we were winding down getting ready to go home. This takes place in rural southeast Oklahoma, so we had about another hour or so of traveling together in order for me to get her home to her house and I was quite looking forward to the conversation and anything else that might transpire on the way home. The night ended with our hearts racing and us struggling to catch our breath, but not in the way you might expect from two hormonal teenagers on a Friday night. After our dinner and a movie, basically all there is to do in the small town, I stopped at a local Love's gas station to fill my truck up with gas. I didn't have a credit card at the time, so I pulled up to the pump, left Anna in the truck, and went inside to pay for my gas. On the way inside, I noticed this old beaten up Ford F-250 with two, dare I say, maybe three, rednecks staring at me. The beaten up Ford wasn't an uncommon sight in rural Oklahoma, but the constant staring made me uneasy. When I returned to my truck and filled up, Anna informed me that they had been staring at her too and that they were giving her the creeps. I told her they were probably just bored and messing with us, and we tried not to think much of it. I pulled out onto the street, pulled my truck into the turn lane, and began to turn onto Highway 3, which would take me all the way to Anna's house. The light was red and taking ages to turn. Everything in small town Oklahoma seems to move slower than a snail in molasses, and as we were waiting, we noticed a truck pull up next to us. At first, we pay the truck no mind, but something was off. Out of the corner of my eye, I see something off-putting. We turn and look, and to our dismay, we see the same beaten-up Ford F-250 with now three people in the cab, all intently staring at us. Us being the zealous teenagers that we were, we decided to show these guys what we were made of, and as the light turned green, we rolled down our window, flashed a big smile across our faces, and gave them the biggest middle fingers that we could. We wanted to show them exactly what we thought of their endless staring. We then hit the gas and continued on our way home. A few moments pass by and Anna and I are laughing at what we just did to these idiot creeps, but eventually, the moment fades and we begin talking about something else. We get down the road a few miles and I notice a set of headlights coming from behind us. This road wasn't super busy, but we had just come from a larger town, so there wasn't anything off-putting about the lights at this point. However, after a few more moments, we realize something is really wrong. The headlights begin flashing and blinding us. The car begins swerving and eventually pulls over into the left lane and trying to get beside us. We quickly realized exactly who this was. I am by no means a car guy, but I recognized the shape of the hood of the truck. This was the beaten up F-250 that we had just flipped off a few miles back, and now they were pissed and coming for us. At this point in my life, I was about 5 foot 8 and weighed about 115 pounds soaking wet. I was a small guy and I knew that I stood no chance against three larger guys. I was going to get pummeled into oblivion or worse, we had no idea what they were going to do with Anna. I slammed on the gas and began traveling as fast as I could down the windy back roads of southeast Oklahoma, trying to come up with an idea of how to get out of this mess and being in the middle of nowhere on the highway doesn't help that either. As we sped down the highway, I began to look for common landmarks that I knew on Highway 3. I just wasn't seeing them, 
I knew that we had been traveling for quite some time down this road, but it didn't seem the same. We slowly realized that we weren't on the right road. We had taken the wrong turn, blinded by our hubris. We turned on a narrow country road that was certain to lead us to our death. We didn't know what to do. Of course, when I told this to my parents, they said things like, you should have called 911 or you should have driven to the nearest police station. However, we didn't think to call 911 and we didn't know where the police station was because we were lost. So, we took matters into our own hands and continued traveling as fast as we could down the small windy back road. We had a few near misses with the truck as they were attempting to rear-end us, or at least make us believe they were. But finally, after what seemed like a lifetime, we saw the shining beacon of light. I can't remember the specifics, but somehow we got far enough ahead that we began to think we might lose them. Out of the corner of my eye, we spotted a small local church. Anna checked behind us and we couldn't see their headlights. So I slammed on the brakes, killed the lights on my truck, and, in the pitch darkness, drove off the road, through the lawn of the church, and hid behind the building. We sat there panicking and wondering if they had seen us. It was a risky move. For all we know, we could be stuck, and if they saw us, we might not have a chance to escape. We sat and watched as the beat-up truck passed down the road at an incredible speed. I don't think they had seen us. We breathed a sigh of relief as we waited to see if they turned around. After a few moments passed, we pulled out of the parking lot, kicked it into high gear, and got back to town as quickly as we could. We both learned a lesson in flipping off shady rednecks that night, and to my knowledge, we haven't done so since. I was camping in the middle of nowhere, in Washington, near Mount Rainier. Like, it's not an official campground, just way out in the forest, you know, kind of random. I wouldn't have expected another human for miles. One night, I woke up and hear something. I open my tent, and there's this guy sitting by where my fire had been, right beside my tent. There was nothing particularly noteworthy about the guy. He was just a fairly regular-looking dude, just sitting there a couple of feet from my tent. No bag or pack or anything with him. Just a guy. He saw me open the tent, his eyes got huge like he had just seen a ghost, and he took off. It shook me up pretty badly, but over the next day or so, I managed to put it out of my mind fairly well after writing it off as just some odd occurrence and a guy that was probably high or something. I thought that maybe somehow he had managed to set up a camp coincidentally not too far away from mine. Then, two days after that, and 10 or 15 miles away, in totally random directions that nobody could take the same path as me on accident, I was sitting by the fire that night and started hearing noises that I got more and more convinced that somebody was walking around. I called out to them, and out of the darkness someone was like, Do you know how to get to Bells Canyon? I said no, I don't even think that's a real place here. They kept talking from just out of my line of vision. I tried to see them with my flashlight, but they yelled, Aim that way and kind of spooked and not wanting to piss off a potentially crazy person. And I did. After what I have to guess is 15 minutes or so of being very freaked out and not trying to really talk to this person any longer, they asked me some completely random questions. They just... It was just a voice from the darkness, you know? It's hard to explain something like this. It sounded like the voice had gotten closer, though. So I shined my light that way again, and it was the same dude who had been outside my tent two nights before. 
He had followed me for about 15 miles over two days, because there is no way he could have just accidentally wound up in the same spot, as vast as this wilderness is. No possible way. As soon as my light hit him, he took off again. I started to chase him, but didn't want to get lost in the wilderness in the dark, so I stopped quickly after probably 100 or 200 feet. This one could not be written off, because the only way he could have found this place is if he was following me. I decided the trip was very much over the first thing in the morning. I hiked back over three days, constantly double-backing, trying to throw anyone off, and occasionally hiding and waiting to see if somebody would come by following me. I really can't describe how terrifying it was to feel like I was being hunted through the woods. I had to actually brainstorm on things that I could do to best avoid potentially being murdered. On the first night of hiking out, twice I heard what sounded like a person walking circles outside my tent, but by the time I mustered the courage to look, nobody was there. On the second night, I heard what I thought was an animal making noises at first. It sounded like it was in the distance, but slowly, it sounded more and more human and was getting closer. It was like a human trying to mimic animal calls. It could have just been an animal and me just being freaked out, because I never actually saw the guy again, but it really sounded like a person making howling noises. I almost cried when I finally got back to the car. My relief was so strong. To this day, that's probably the most terrifying experience I've ever had. I have no idea who that guy was or what his intentions were, and no way of getting an explanation, but I really can't articulate just what a terrifying few days it was. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true middle-of-nowhere horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to give this episode a like, as that helps me out a ton. The more likes this gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that helps the swamp continue to expand its waters. If you're listening on iTunes or a different podcast platform, please give this episode a 5-star rating as that really helps me out over there, and I'm truly thankful for it. If you guys are new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and be sure to turn on notifications so you never miss a new episode. I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast. If you guys would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, and subscribing to our YouTube channel, maybe check out the merch store. I've got face masks, hoodies, t-shirts, and just about everything else you could ever want. I'd love to see you guys rocking some cool swamp threads. Much love to my good friend Bad Vibe Storytelling for helping me read story number two today. If you enjoy his voice and storytelling, please be sure to subscribe to his channel. You can find a link to do so in the description. Also, I recently partnered up with my good friend Being Scared, Let's Read, and many other YouTubers to put out this cool new app called Chilling. Chilling is an app where you're going to find the creepiest and strangest scary stories on the internet. 
you're going to find all your favorite narrators there. And, better yet, all the stories are exclusive, so you won't hear them on YouTube or anywhere else. You can start your free trial with the link in the description. I'd love to know what story was your favorite tonight in the comments down below. Thank you, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you soon with another creepy video.